deadly fist. Many rose to fight against them. But only one man had the secret. A warrior legend. Donnie Yen as the greatest martial arts master of a generation. Ip Man. Episode 44 of Vague Zone. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. And we are starting a brand new franchise today. Congratulations if you're just joining us listening to the Vague Zone. We usually go through a franchise and do uh, like a co-host choice between the episodes. So we'll do like a main selection of the franchise and then we'll choose something sort of related. So we're going to be doing something a little bit different because I have a little bit of a time crunch over the next month. So we're going to be running through the Ip Man franchise. We're going to be going basically just straight down one through four. And this is a suggestion from a good friend and frequent listener, Max Burwald from out in Los Angeles. So thank you, Max, for the suggestion. This was a a really good one. And yeah, we're going to dive into this. So Daniel, would you like to read the IMDb synopsis for it, man? Sure. Um, During the Japanese invasion of China, a wealthy martial artist is forced to leave his home when his city is occupied. With little means of providing for themselves, Ip Man and the remaining members of the city must find a way to survive. Yes. Oh. Good good summary. Kind of spoils <laughs> some things, but yes. <laughs> Thomas, what did you think of Ip Man? For, well, actually, before we get into it, is it Ip Man? Is it Ip Man? Is it Ip Man? <laughs> yeah, so like while listening to like, how they were pronouncing it, at least in their language towards the end when they're like chanting, it sounds like Ipmon, Ipmon. So yeah, yeah. It, it, so- it sounds like, yeah, it's like a soft pronunciation on both accounts or both words. Um, yeah. But when Max suggested, yeah, he said, yeah, it man. And so I, I, I was leaning towards that pronunciation even before back in the day when I saw the posters and I was just a foolish, dumb American. I'm like, Oh, IP man. That's mm-hmm. what that movie's about. So okay. I, def- I yeah, I've definitely have drifted away from that. Thankfully. So yeah, I've, I've been doing it, man. That's what's in my mind right now. So it man or it man, I think would be somewhat appropriate. Okay. Yeah. yeah and I know yeah. there's, there's like other films that were being made around the same time. Cause this is a really like a very prominent historical figure in China. Yeah. And so, like, there's other movies that are being made about him. And, and one of them was, like, Grandmaster Yip Man, like, with YIP. Hmm. And so so maybe Yip or, like, and I don't know, I mean, even the director, his, his name is Wilson Yip. So I think there might be something to the, the light IP pronunciation. Right. So th- th- at least that's what I'm leaning. That's my theory. That's what I'm leaning towards. <laughs> I think we will accept all pronunciations, I think. <laughs> yeah. This but, is a, uh, a, safe, a safe space for pronunciation. We're just going to yeah. just... <laughs> So what did you think of uh, Eat Bod? Oh, I That's how I'm going to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought this was fantastic. Yeah, this is just like a really great martial arts kung fu movie. And it also is like, I know, it's great because of just the choreography and just the sheer, like the beauty of the martial arts in this movie. It, but it's also great because it's, it's historic and it, you know, it, it, te- it tells a story about a very particular section of Chinese history dealing with the Japanese occupation. And yeah, it's playing with like some of these philosophies about martial arts and, you know, how to protect your body and protect your values. And 
yeah, I think I, I slept on this movie for way too long. And yeah, I, I'm really happy that this was suggested to us and I'm happy I watched it because, yeah, I, I, yeah, everything about this. There's, there's some parts towards the end which I was like, the editing got a little shaky, but mm. I think overall it's solid. It's like some of the best kung fu on, like some of the best kung fu recently if we're talking about post-2000s, post-Matrix you know, and everything. And so, yeah, what did you think about it? Um, it's pretty fucking cool. I've, I've seen it once before, and I feel like revisiting it, it's a little slower than I remembered. It's it's definitely like a historical drama, um, yeah. and it only has, I feel like, maybe three major kind of fights, um, but they're really fucking good. <laughs> yeah. and I, like, I counted six. Yeah, there, there, there's yeah, there's more than three, but I feel like there's like three sort of memorable fights. Um, like there's yeah, like three yeah, big ones. There's one big one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, what, it's funny you say there's one big one because it's like the the big one in my mind is like well, at least like the finale wasn't didn't stick out to me that much. Yeah. The, the big one towards the center that I was just like watch. Have yeah. Watched there's that the one that times. has gone like viral on YouTube and stuff. Oh, okay. When I, I get shared level. around. Yeah. I didn't know that was, was at that level, but yeah, I totally get why. <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I I really enjoy this movie. I think it's really interesting watching a movie um, that is very patriotic from another country, like or nationalistic, yeah. perhaps. Definitely. Um, and you know, illuminating why uh, the Chinese hate the Japanese so much. Um, I was talking to my my buddy, and he was saying that uh, Chinese people of our generation they don't really have like any sort of ill will towards Japanese, but their parents are really uh, still very, you know, sore about the the war against Japan. Yeah, definitely. They're not too far removed. And like, yeah, we sort of touched upon this when talking about um, Park Chan-wook's films in South Korea. It was like, yeah, like the, his parents' generation are, are still dealing with the like World War Two. just all of that pain is still very relevant. And yeah, yeah, you can definitely tell in this film. Yeah. When like, there's like, he's shopping, like getting like rewarded after he like wards off, like the, the bad dude that shows up to town and challenges all the teachers. He like whoops his ass and sends him off. So they're all rewarding him with all the flowers and everything. And they're chanting his name outside of his house. And then the camera just tilts up and then the the plane flies over and then the text shows up. I'm like, Oh shit. Like, yeah. And then things went terribly. Yeah, really hard left turn to like, okay, no more fun kung fu. Now we're in labor camps. Yeah, and it is interesting that there is that harsh tonal shift because the beginning of the movie is pretty comedic with like Mm -hmm. him and um, I think it's Master Lu are like having a meal together like before his fight. Itman's not really in the mood to fight, but um, Master Lu's kind of like, oh, wait. Yeah, and then they're sort of, Yeah. yeah, they're very cordial to each other. I thought, I thought initially, I thought Master Lu was going to be like a forceful asshole like kind of forcing his way in demanding a fight but it's like they're both kind of politely waiting um feeding you know sharing a meal uh and then when they have their fight Eatman thanks him for going easy on him even though Eatman yeah. just fucking destroyed him <laughs> yeah um, absolutely and uh and yeah they keep it on the down low they're very respectful they're respectful of each other's martial arts schools i guess Eatman doesn't have a school but Eatman is uh respectful of master lose at least so yeah, it's just it's just good dudes being dudes. Yeah, and I like the first portion of this movie because it starts off, yeah, pretty like innocent with him being challenged by this other teacher, 
and then there's this other uh, opposing force when the character Jin shows up yeah. out of town and he's with like he shows up with this gang of six dudes and just starts challenging and quick and swiftly beating all of the other teachers in mm-hmm. town. And I just love that like sequence. And I'm also I have to give an honorable mention to that actor because he showed up in the John Woo film Manhunt I watched a few months ago. Okay. So it was interesting seeing that actor play another just like uh, like a pretty good villain. This movie has a lot of really good characters and like a lot of yeah, really, he's great. Yeah, a lot of really cool like people on the hero side that we get really attached to, and it's, it's a bummer when they leave. I'm a big fan of Master Liu. Actually, his fighting style was probably like opposed to Eat Man's. His like really reserved uh, Wing Chun style. I liked his because he's like flipping people over and like doing like a lot of shoulder stuff. And I, I don't know. It's like when he's fighting the three guys inside of the Japanese like tournament area. Like that, like that was one of my favorite little brief fights. Is him just like beating those guys, and he like tries to grab the bag of rice. But that's that's a little bit later. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, Jin, Jin going around and like challenging all the different uh, you know martial arts schools. I guess this is a thing that would happen. That like there would be like dojo raids and stuff where like uh yeah. different schools would just show up and be like hey you like who are who's your best fighter like uh, i'll take him on right now yeah it's pretty amazing yeah because it's just like oh this, this is yeah definitely like a historical it's like an event where well, it's very serious apparently serious your master is getting humiliated apparently this was a this went on until like pretty recently like i want to say like within the past like well i mean i guess this movie only it, it takes place in the 30s so it's not that long ago but um yeah yeah yeah, I want to say like in the '80s or '90s, this it, it was still a thing. That's really interesting. Yeah. Also, find it funny. That, yeah, because this is about the the man who eventually would go on to become Bruce Lee's trainer and the person who taught him, who was a, like a cultural phenomenon as far as like kung fu movies is concerned. But yeah, I was reading the I'm uh, sorry the Wikipedia, and this movie was going through production for a while. Is it, it was in production in like '98, so. It's, going on for a bit and Stephen Chow was attached to play the role as Bruce Lee at oh, one yeah. point which I, th- I thought was kind of funny because yeah like Shaolin soccer guy as one of the most renowned like <laughs> like I don't know martial artists I just thought that'd be interesting casting yeah and it's it's weird like when this movie was first like sold to me uh someone was like oh it's about Bruce Lee's teacher and then you watch the movie and it's like it feels like there's a lot more to this person than just having been oh, yeah. Bruce Lee's teacher. Far more. Yeah, and it's funny, that's on one of the posters, too. It's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, the, the, the person who trained Bruce Lee or like you gotta market Bruce it. Lee's master. Gotta market it in the States. Yeah, and I mean, I, it, it makes sense, because, I mean, why not you make the connection? Because it'll help get some butts and seats. And I feel like if I would have been pushed a little bit more, I would have been so on board with this franchise and the subsequent three movies because yeah it's like one of the things that i really love about this is we've been watching some kung fu movies and some other like movies from that region and sometimes it's really stylized and really like extreme what we're seeing visually especially with like eight diagram pole fighter which is about actual historic events but features you know some like some kind of like floaty fighty fight scenes with yeah the wire work is way more exaggerated yeah this, on the other hand, is on the other side of the coin, where it's just purely just the elegance of just really reserved martial arts of just like Donnie Yun just doing a fantastic performance of just like just being as still and stoic as possible and just like doing more by like dodging, yeah, making and, everything and, 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 look like, effortless. You know, it's like fucking beautiful. It's like literally like it's watching, like he's in a like, fugue a state <laughs> and just yeah, like. It's like 
Like his like fists, he has no control over them. They're just like, extending from his body. Um, yeah, and it's such a great contrast to like Jin's really chaotic. Like he's just like spinning around in circles. It's like someone like mashing buttons like on Street Fighter, while the other person's center just like blocking and dodging and just like not doing anything. It's just, yeah, yeah. To, to see him like that fight inside of the house is I, that's like not my favorite in the movie. It's like my second favorite. I did a little ranking, but the one where he finally when Jin finally gets into yeah. his house and like the wife is like, "Don't break anything," Don't, and I'm of like, course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, there's like their fight is just like fantastic, and then and then the he fights him. Sword versus Feather Duster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really, really beautiful how he's just yeah using this very delicate thing to just kind of keep him at a distance and control him and yeah, just I was really, really into the into this and so yeah, I really enjoyed watching it and it's great to go back and watch the fights and see all the little details. I had a point I was going to make and then I just forgot it. Oh yeah, so this movie does use make use of wire work, but I I really like how it's. It feels like the fights are just outside of the realm of possibility. Like, it's not yeah. like, like you mentioning a dagger and pole fighter. Like, that's very, like, there's a scene in that movie where he's training and he jumps like nine feet into the air and then lands on the <laughs> yeah. ground. Um, the sacrifice of the dad in, like, in the Oh, yeah, jumping he... up onto a, like, a giant tombstone or whatever. Yeah, it's like, it's like you're depicting a, a suicide and it's like, it seems like it's another fight move that's happening yeah versus here it's like we're using wire work for people getting thrown or people dodging and like you know the actors don't have to strain themselves to dodge like they're held up by wires and yeah yeah um, yeah it's a lot it's a lot less uh i don't know aggressive yeah <laughs> and uh, it also reminds me of just a joke that the wife makes when they're doing the fight inside of the house like early on in the movie and like all the people are watching like hey like do that move again and the master is like and the wife's like aren't you tired of watching like kung fu and, the, and i was just like no like, Hell, just, like no there's a fucking street called martial arts street like that, like that scene has to be in that street has to be insane <laughs> like, yeah 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 just constant wild arts. shit happening yeah it's this martial arts street yeah it's totally some 80 shit That's be like if like. there was like a break dancing avenue or something like that yes <laughs> or, uh, breaking lane cheer, breaking boulevard cheerleading lane <laughs> yeah yeah that'd be great um but yeah i i appreciate all of the stuff in the first half but yeah i the turn is really interesting when the movie takes a left turn and gets really somber and like, yeah, like his friends are like sort of getting like, di- like disappearing after losing fights. And yeah, it's, it sort of turns into this like political and like social sort of commentary about like using Kung Fu to help drive out these opposing forces in your nation. And they're like, there's this whole subplot with uh, this character. Uh, I forget what his name is. It's uh, uncle something. Um, it's like, yeah, Ooh, it's like uh, uh, Chow Chao yeah, Chen, like, Chao Ching yeah. Chun. <laughs> I'm not sure how it's pronounced. <laughs> Chow is I what I see so. though. Yeah, uh, I think it was Uncle Fu. It was like Uncle. He like, is the dude who's or someone's. It's not the Uncle guy. Fu. Okay, I'm confused. Who you're talking like I'm referring to the guy who owns the cotton mill. That, yeah, I thought that's who Uncle Fu was. Um, I might have gotten that mixed up. Someone might. I, 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 yeah, that was my mistake. But yeah, the person who owns this cotton factory has this whole thing of like, a lot of jobs are lost, even like more lives were lost in the course of this really awful occupation. But there's this cotton factory that is sort of being held onto. And yeah, they're getting, they begin to get terrorized by Jin who shows up. is like, hey, like I want the money 
for like yeah. whatever the profits you're making, just trying to like just rob them essentially. And they get kind of roughed up by the by the gang, and so the, uh, the guy basically shames him. He's like, "Hey, like you should be training people. You should be teaching people how to defend themselves." And yeah. Then we have this really fantastic montage of him like training the people. And yeah, it's like this really nice, like little uplifting moment of it's like like all of the people, the factory workers, like practicing, like yeah. while they're working. While they're working, and, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, and that's I, yeah, I really like that. And it's like there's like that little shot of his cute son like practicing as well. And it's just yeah, it's just like a legit. I think like a legitimately heartwarming aspect of this movie, even though it's like yeah. dealing with serious political stuff. It's martial arts is it's a national pride. And it becomes yeah. part of like Chinese identity, like this form of this form of national martial arts. Um, yeah, absolutely. Did, and yeah, it just reminds me of just like what a typical Hollywood movie would be doing. Of like, I don't know, maybe that's just we're two thousand eight, so it's going to be kind of influential both sides with movies being influenced. But yeah, it's like the, like they're practicing all. He's like practicing the like the arm movements and he like gets a little bit of like paint on like his friend's forehead. Oh just yeah. Like little, like little, like beats little like silly that. things. Yeah. 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 Where just, it feels like this is a movie where it's like the whole family can sort of like get behind this kind of, it's know, interesting that, that, so this movie is pretty comedic and then it, it takes this dip when Japan invades and then it starts to reintroduce comedy once the Chinese start to become empowered again. Yeah. Um, sort of, returning back to normalcy yeah um yeah i just would love if the fights basically everything after which we haven't really dug into the the 10 man fight the one that i like i love the most but everything basically after that i felt was a little bit of a letdown as far as like just the the emotional buildup of the 10 man fight is is just like so turned up i don't know just the, everything after that sort of fell flat a little bit to me yeah because they do what a good is, is they do a good job of setting up the 10-man fight where it's like um you know one of his friends when he's shoveling coal goes to this fight he doesn't return because he gets killed by the general um, he gets beaten in a, in a martial arts match his uh old master lu who challenged him at the beginning gets uh, executed basically after taking yeah. on three of these guys so there's a lot of emotional justification for Ip Man wanting to kick these people's ass. And he takes on 10 of them. <laughs> and, yeah. and he hasn't done uh, Wing Chun in a while. So he's a little, we're expecting he's going to be a little rusty or something. And he goes in there and he's fucking merciless. Um, yeah, it totally fucking works, man. He's like breaking people's legs. He punches a this man from standing position to the ground following him the whole way down yeah the sounds yeah we first get like a really like just kind of like a, a, a quick arm like a wrist cracking of him like rolling over some guy and then yeah he he like turns a man into a pretzel essentially. yeah he, he, he folds a human man like he's fucking origami essentially and it's it's insane to see and yeah i also wanted to mention uh working up to the build-up of that fight they're basically the japanese are like okay like we're picking prisoners to fight just because we would sort of like entertainment essentially but we're giving the people bags of rice for compensation if they win but then this one general he switches it he's like okay like i'll give it to you even if you lose because yeah. uh, you're sort of going Stepping up such up big odds yeah yeah, and this I found it interesting that Lou like he does his fight and he only like gets one bag even though he chooses to fight three guys and because it kind he, of just felt 
he beats one person initially and then he takes on three guys and he loses so he's taking his one bag of rice for the fight he won yeah i just found it interesting that like if you're not getting i I think it, it made me feel like he was challenging three people not to get three bags of rice, but just to prove that Chinese Kung Fu was better than Maybe, yeah. Japanese Kung Fu. That's sort of what I was thinking about. And I was like, it's interesting that, you know, it's like, you're not going to get more rice for beating up more dudes. But yeah, yeah so like him, yeah, it, I, I uh, sorry. Eat man fighting the 10, 10 guys after the guy gets like executed over like the, the rice thing is just like there's just so much I feel like a lot of emotion built up into that it's just this great cathartic moment of like yeah like he like the nation is impoverished they're like there's no food there's no rice inside of his rice bucket at home and so there he's malnourished and he hasn't been practicing so it's like in our yeah. minds we're like giving this information of like oh he's like at his weakest but then he does like the most damage that we see him yeah. in the movie and it's just like fucking destroys these men <laughs> yeah there's a part towards the end where it's like there's four guys all like throwing punches at him and he just like just quickly just gets like gets off of him and it's just so great and like yeah like his like waterfall the punches thing like, just like yeah. just the fucking fear like yeah just so many great details in the did choreography you, that just, did you do what i did it. where you like went on youtube and started looking up wing chun fights to see if no, like I basically... <laughs> to see if it is like is this real like can people actually like who can they go up who can they go up against no, I didn't do that, but I basically I just watched the fights over again. But yeah, it would be interesting to see. Well, I, one thing that I was thinking about, I remember, I wonder if you had the similar thought is, I don't know, just Eat Man's, his stoicism reminded me a lot of how Neo's uh, style is modeled after he sort of makes that breakthrough in the yeah. Matrix. So we're like he taps into that stoicism. And it, it reminded me very much of that. Just like he's in the zone. What, <laughs> yeah, let them exert all the energy. And I, yeah. I was reading about it on Wikipedia. It's like the person who created it, so a woman described it as like, she describes the style as a crane fighting a snake. Huh. It was like, like that's how this, the description of Wing Chun. And yeah, it's a really elegant description of just how the tension of energies is being played with how, yeah, it's like you're not, it's all about like, uh, they mentioned earlier on about like yeah like this is a feminine fighting style and like Jin's like I want to like oh you're like using a feminine fighting style and he's like well it's all about the person who uses it not necessarily like just the style itself and proceeds to to whoop his ass but then yeah I was reading on Wikipedia that like yeah a part one of the aspects of that feminine style was like not raising your legs to to like to keep your growing as like protected as possible mm-hmm. so it's more using arms using elbows and letting you know, sort of like using the uh, attacking forces momentum against them in a way and so yeah just the result of that is just like really entertaining on-screen fights yeah. and so i just love when the cam the camera just just sits and just like just lets all the hits play out and it's just beautiful um, that's why i was kind of bummed towards the end because i feel like the editing got choppier towards the end yeah not, the last you mean like the uh fight editing yeah so like the like the last big finale fight between the general and eat man it's like a, i felt like there was a lot more editing going on it's like i mean throw back to the practice thing and so i didn't re-watch the fights i only watched i just like watched the movie but i was it, that was definitely something i was looking for because so so we brought this up i brought this up when i watched uh, mortal Kombat. is like no one knows how to shoot a fight scene like we've <laughs> we've had the matrix we've been shown how to shoot a fight scene here in the united states like we should know how to do this um and so 
as soon as we see the first fight scene in this movie, I was like, yes, like they're, they're doing it right. Like, <laughs> like yeah. they're like allowing us to see the action. And sometimes it's a little cutty, but it's like, there's a lot of moments where we're just like, we're just seeing the performers move and we're allowed to see them move. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think, I think I agree with you that towards the end, um, I feel like I was struggling a little bit to engage with it the same way I had before. I think it might just be there's more characters involved in like what's happening. We got to see the reaction maybe. shots. We got to see, uh, yeah. you know, the translator up with uh, Sato, the guy who <laughs> like the shitty minion. Oh, God, <laughs> man. Really, I'm going to talk about a really good movie villain. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. He, he was good. Just like just just shooting people, just, just like it's like you want me to shoot him? Like, I'll shoot him. I don't know. I yeah. I had weird vibes from that guy. Like part of me, like it, when he first comes on screen, he feels a little flamboyant, and I was like, is he supposed to be queer coded? Like, are they? I don't. Interesting. Okay. Like I wasn't sure if that. Yeah, I was like, is there like a homophobia thing going on here, or am I seeing something that's not intended? Um interesting point yeah they're well like these like japanese characters like they're fascist correct like yeah. like we're talking about the time frame and so yeah i think they're i was thinking about yeah there might be something kind of going on with just like this depiction of it because yeah their paints is like just pretty vile just kind of up and down just like not much there's nothing really redeemable about like those characters it seems like and yeah, and so yeah, you mentioned that yeah, this movie, this film was very patriotic, and yeah, it does feel that way, and it does feel, yeah, be kind of concerned. It is a yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely like talking about a a portion of history that's like that's real, and it's, it is like highlighting this Chinese man. It's like this whole thing yeah. about yeah, it's like he says he I am a Chinese fun. man. <laughs> yeah, what's yeah, your so, name? Yeah, def- yeah, so definitely patriotic, and yeah, I think it, yeah it it handles those things in an interesting way. Like if this was an American movie, they would have said, what's your name? And he said, I'm just an American. And then we would have got a guitar solo. And then we would have cut to a truck, <laughs> a Ford truck, a Chevy conquering <laughs> a mountain. Yeah. I was thinking, yeah, this movie definitely felt like it had like the influences of like some like Western influence was Western influences were apparent in some parts, but yeah, it did think feel like, yeah, like, a very proud Chinese film. And, yeah, um, and I'm looking forward to the other three. This is interesting. It feel like they got like the history out of the way, so to speak on this one. So I'm curious, like what happens when this franchise just starts getting a little bit more loose? Yeah. I, the fact that Mike Tyson shows up in one of these, I'm like, <laughs> we must be straying very far yeah. from you <laughs> reality. Um, is he playing himself? So, I don't know. <laughs> Is that off the rails or is that yeah. on the rails? <laughs> well, there's the there's the time travel movie also. Then, uh... <laughs> oh goodness, I'm not ready. I'm really not. I'm I'm so ready. Um, one thing I want to mention is towards the end when he's about to go up against the general. Um, the general is kneeling, waiting for Ipman to uh, show up at the the um, arena or whatever, and he is kneeling. And we get a shot of him rising from a kneeling position without using yeah. his arms. And like Emily was out of the room when that scene happened. And I rewound and I paused it and I, I like waited for her to come back. I was like, you got to see this guy like get up from a kneeling position. Yeah, his 
like body language was just like spot on. Like, yeah, it's like just really great posture. And so, yeah, it's when he does that, it's, yeah. it's like on the verge of like, it's like, is that like a human thing? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's alien. Just, <laughs> yeah, just like sliding up. And like, we even hear like his toes cracking and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Really good bone cracking sound in this movie. Shout out to the sound design and the, and the Foley. You guys did an outstanding job because you made, because yeah, when this movie hits hard, it like you definitely feel it. Because yeah, there's a lot of like really elegant movements and everything, but then there's pl- plenty of people getting kicked in the face. And like I say, the movie is not a level until someone gets kicked in the face. And so, we'll say I don't. This movie. The, I I don't know that we needed the plot line with the the two brothers. Um, brother who loses the tin can and then the can has the kite in it and then it man like gets uh the brother with the kite to leave the gang uh, i don't know yeah i feel like we could have trimmed that fat yeah i think it all is sort of tying into what's happening with the the, all, the other like sub subplot well not sub subplot of the interpreter who's like he like gets accused of being a traitor it's like it's all talking yeah. about like the, the patriotism it's underlining of, like, the theme of like china baby yeah. Uh, it's yeah, all about China. Like, he's like, you're stealing from your 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 brothers, essentially. Yeah. So why are you doing this? And then, yeah, then he, he hands him the kite, and then we get a really yeah, just a really deep, ugly, mucusy cry from. The oh character. yeah, a lot of like, snot. That's that's basically my reaction to when I was watching Purple Rain. Me during the finale of Purple Rain was like just me, just just all snot. <laughs> yeah, just 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 shattered as a person. Um. But yeah, I think that about concludes uh, my thoughts on Hitman. Okay, yeah. What have you been watching this week? Um, so something I just watched that I wanted to bring up is um, when we watched, we discussed uh, the first episode of Z-Way. She wa- and we said, um, we said it kind of reminds me of Stephen Colbert. Like we both agreed that like she had kind of a Colbert thing going on. Uh, yeah. Colbert had her on the show for an interview and yeah so, so you saw this too i haven't I, yeah i haven't seen this yet but um it turns out she was an interview back or interview she was a intern back on his show on comedy central and oh, that okay. like she credits him as like one of her main influences because like okay, when she was interning there um she saw that his face was pretty much everywhere because he's playing this <laughs> incredibly egotistical character and yeah. she was like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> like, I'm going to, like, be this very egotistical character who's, like, you know, she's her own musical guest every episode. Um, yes. Yeah. I, that's, like, so great. I would like if the production quality of the songs was a little bit better, but, like, I sort of, I totally see, like, the intention. And so I, the intention is good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not that into that part of the show, but I only, I don't have showtime, so I'm only watching, like, the clips that are on there. Um, yeah yeah totally but yeah yeah it's interesting were you done were you done talking about z-way i was done talking about z-way did you have more to say about z-way or should i uh no but continue (laughs) if you have anything else um so i was gonna say the other thing i've been doing is i started playing red dead redemption 2 um and i was concerned that i wouldn't like it because i really didn't like grand theft auto 5 rockstar's last game um, because it just felt like you go from point A to, yeah, you go from point A to point B, you listen to some dialogue on the way there. When you get there, you shoot things. 
And I was kind of expecting that that's what Red Dead Redemption 2 would be. But I'm actually really enjoying it because it feels like, first off, they slowed things down a lot, um, which I could see some people not enjoying. Um, But because they slowed things down, you're forced to, you know, really engage with the environment more and um, just like appreciate the design, I guess, like appreciate the environment, appreciate the sound. Yeah. And um, also it feels like, it's just a checklist of shit you would expect to be in a cowboy game. So it's like, <laughs> it's like we got hunting. We got a train heist. We got uh, a bar fight. <laughs> um, at some point, you will play the banjo. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I don't know how far you are. There's a really great prison break. That's a lot of, of fun. Of course there is. Like, it looks like multiple prison sure, breaks in that Yeah, movie. I'm sure yeah, there yeah. are treasure maps. There were treasure maps in the last one. Um <sighs> Like anything you could think of to be in a cowboy game or in any sort of cowboy media, I'm sure it's in here. At one point, I'm sure I will transport a prisoner. I'm sure I will. Oh, you said there's a prison outbreak. So, um, yeah, yeah. There will probably be a coal mine at some point. (laughs) Yeah. Red Dead's cool. Yeah. Like my roommate, Johnny, my homie, he was like, really really into red dead redemption 2 when it came out yeah the game is a lot of fun there's like a lot of shit you can do and this yeah it's one of those things where like yeah going to san denis is like a really great moment of like shifting of environments going from like the rusty you know the rusty side of just being out in the wild to going to like oh new orleans and yeah like, that's people. what i heard yeah so that transition is is really fantastic, so I definitely urge you to like get into the deep game because it's it's a lot of fun yeah. and it's it's cool. It is way too slow for me, but I definitely enjoy playing it. Yeah, I'm about fifteen percent of the way in. It's it's it feels like my relaxation game, where like some games have yeah. been like sometimes my relaxation game is just like constant, uh, like an overload of the senses, so that my mind doesn't have to do anything. <laughs> my, I'm just yeah. like, you know, I go my eyes gloss over my brain glosses over my third eye glosses over um, (laughs) and I'm just pressing buttons. But this is like, no, I'm just going to chill and I'm just going to like ride my horse. (laughs) See what happens. Maybe I won't even do a mission. Maybe I'll just ride the horse around and look at the deer. (laughs) Yeah. That is one of the more serene aspects of that game. And that's why I'm a big fan of ghost of Tsushima because it's like open world samurai game, but it's like, the HUD is really stripped down, and so it's just like th- yeah. your waypoint is just like the wind. It's just kind that's of just cool. like the wind guiding. Yeah, you. I really so, want to play that one. That game is like beautiful. That like th- that's the closest I've been able to being like, oh, I'm like kind of almost in a meditative state while playing this game. But then you like yeah. raid a fortress and like slice things <laughs> off. Oh, like, like this is mm, what meditation. I like. <laughs> like I couldn't play Shinobi and shit as a kid, so like, I, or even like Ninja Gaiden, like I couldn't play those. So like, oh, Ghost of Tsushima, cool. like I was. Yeah, I, I got Ghost of Tsushima last year. I was like, this is what I've been waiting for for 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> so I finally got to, like, samurai out. Um, also, like, between Grand Theft Auto and this, like like I said, like, Grand Theft Auto, you're driving from point A to point B, and you're listening to dialogue. And I feel like here they do a good job of... There's a lot of spontaneous events that can happen. And so the uh, just moving from point A to point B... I'm more excited about that because I don't know what might happen on the way. Like maybe, you know, I'll find like the other day I was just like riding my horse along. And then I see a guy who's like, I don't know what he's doing. He's like 
helping his horse and the horse kicks him in the face and kills him and then runs away and i was like oh cool <laughs> um oh goodness yeah yeah and then also it doesn't like a lot of over uh open world games they'll overload you with just like all these different icons on your map of things to do like go over here to race go over here to i don't know gamble go over here to do this and do that yeah and it's yeah. like in Red Dead Redemption 2, it feels like there's like there's three missions, and there's like some places you can go to, um, and you know there, yes. yeah, you know there are activities at the places, but it's not like by not advertising them, it feels like it's not there's less pressure. It's it's more casual. Yeah, it's it's really really fantastic because the last so four and five GTA um, both had cell phones as mm-hmm. a part of like yeah. the characters are going to contact you to do stuff yeah. and that just gets so old so quickly and so yeah Red Dead is like yeah it's just like the music the sound of your horse clip clopping <laughs> like it's yeah. it's great <laughs> yeah. what have you been watching yeah, love the cl- so and. Just honorable mention, you brought up Z-Way. I just got to bring up Conan. Conan is doing, like, his final interviews for his show before mm-hmm. he, like, completely Retired. moves off of cable. Like, he's not retiring. He's going from, like, cable to HBO Max. He's gonna oh, have, really? Like, okay. I d- yeah, I don't know if it's going going to be, like, the, how it is now, where it's, like, him sitting down and talking to someone. I think the rumor and the general consensus is going to be more, like, remotes and more, like, film stuff. But that could all just be speculation. But it, it seems like he's putting to rest like this traditional talk show yeah. format that could be wrong, but yeah, he's kind of just going through, like he had Bill Hader on, he just did doing impressions, which is like a lot of fun. And just, so yeah, it's been cool to kind of just like close that chapter. Cause it reminds me of when I was in like sophomore year, SF state seeing his TV show sort of end then. Yeah. So it just reminds me of just that same time frame. So it's got me a little nostalgic. Um, so I need to mention uh, well, what I was going to mention. The main thing is uh, Laser Wolf. So Rick and Morty came back this week. Uh, so yeah, season five, Rick and Morty started, which is good. The episode is funny. Uh, wasn't like mind blowing, but there was an aspect to that episode that I thought was really clever. And I think yeah, the writing on the show is still pretty good. Um, but I wanted to mention Laser Wolf because Laser Wolf season two is on HBO Max and it's a show that like I was really like skeptical of and like turned off by just because of the style and just how it looks. It's a really like pastel looking show. The uh, the style like the animation style is like like really bubbly and like like so- I, I compared to like Comic Sans, like it's like a really interesting looking art style that turned me off when I first saw it. But when I finally got into it i realized oh like, oh this show is actually like black as hell and like like the the characters in the show are just like really funny and like they're all animals but like they're voiced by like vince staples and dram is on there yeah, um, the cast uh, yeah like jd witherspoon uh john witherspoon's son rest in peace of him uh, he's on the show as a character named stupid horse it's just a horse that's just the, the character they all kind of shit on but it's it's just really funny and absurd but also in the world it's really weird like the diner like hostess like owner is like modeled after Nicki Minaj and there's like a character going around that sounds like E40 and like ooh 40 water like, like sounding like E40 so like it just appeals to like my sense of humor so much that I just couldn't help but fall in love with the show so it's just one of those weird things where like visually it turned me off so much at first glance but then once I do- dove into it I was like oh this show is like really black and like really cool and like I like really enjoy that like it's like a strange show and it's really weird and just all the characters just kind of know. So I recommend that show and yeah. 
and another thing I just gotta bring up, just because I love like how black that show is. And I was just thinking about this while watching Master of None, which was like it started off as like Aziz Ansari show, but then like season three is mostly about Lena Waithe and her girlfriend, so it's like pretty black as well, but it's like kind of like really sad, almost like trauma porn kind of level where it's just like this relationship is just super at like his lowest point and so it's just like not even funny and so yeah it's just interesting like kind of watching the two sides of like black media because like the whole there's like a big criticism right now just like we don't want trauma porn and like you know torture porn and seeing like there's them and stuff like that and like i I sent you the link for the karen movie the trailer yeah which which, (laughs) i heard that was a bet movie i didn't look into it though yeah, that just it just looks so ridiculous and just like a family for those who don't know. Yeah, it's just a trailer of like this black family moves into this house and then the neighbor shows up and it's just on the phone calling the police immediately and just it just escalates and just like just terrorizing this black family. So yeah. it's just like it's in the movie is called Karen. Like it it's looks just like, like what the fuck. <laughs> like, it looks it's... like it should be a comedy. Like initially, I was like, oh, somebody made a comedy about this that is sort of like parroting the style of Get Out. But it's like, no, yeah, this is, yeah. they're trying to be serious. It's like we're playing this dead straight, like, it's really bizarre. Yeah, it's just, I was like, who is this for? It's like, 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 it's just like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah. <laughs> interesting, interesting time. Yeah, it was Juneteenth this past Saturday. And it had some interesting conversations out in the world. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one last thing I do want to mention. Um there's this this thing that i've been watching epn.tv it's a youtube channel this guy victor lucas who i don't i don't think i've mentioned him before but um victor lucas used to host a show called electric playground and it was a video game show where they would go to e3 and they would interview developers and they would like go to developer studios and they would like really get to know the people behind like the making of games and Apparently, this guy, Victor Lucas, has been, like, I, I watched this stuff when I was in, like, the sixth grade. I watched this show. Uh, and I would, like, come to school and be like, you guys got to watch this show, Electric Playground. Like, somebody's, like, actually <laughs> talking about video games on television. It's great. It was, like, before G4, right. you know? And, oh, um, so yeah, that's even more rare. <laughs> and apparently, he's still doing it. But now he's just doing it on YouTube. Um, and so it's just EPN.TV. And he will, I think, like maybe like four or five days a week, he will do a live stream where he does, he does like his news thing where he like covers like top stories of like related to like video games, movies, and just like, you know, geeky shit. And then he'll just like start playing a game and like chat with people in the chat. And I'm always in the chat as vague zone podcast. And so he, he shouts us out all the time. (laughs) Uh, Oh, sweet. (laughs) So yeah. So it's pretty cool. Um, But yeah, that's about it. That's all I've been watching. Right on. Well, sweet. I think that's about wrapping it up for episode 44, I guess. So the next movie we're watching is Ip uh, Ip Man 2. Ip Man 2, however you pronounce it. Ip Man 2 is the movie next on our list. So yeah, that's what we're going to be doing over the next four weeks. Um, We might have some fun stuff, something in the store. We're still working on a possible surprise. I don't want to say it. I don't even know if I should hint at it if it might not even happen. But there's... There's a fun thing in the works that we're trying to make happen. <laughs> We've been trying to make it happen. Yeah. That we're going to make happen. There's something fun. But we're not going to spoil it. Even um, during a pandemic, scheduling is hard. 
Yes. Yeah. But, you know, we're at the make tail end. So. Yeah, definitely going to make it happen. But, yeah, right now, at the start of this new franchise, we're really happy to keep going down and watching these movies. Next week, Eep Man 2. So, yeah, if you would like to contact us, you can email us, vaguezonepod at gmail.com. If you have movie suggestions, fran- franchise suggestions, questions, comments, or concerns, let us know. Email us. We'll hit you back. If you'd like if you're on Twitter, if you would like to tweet at us, Twitter at VagueZone. We're on there every day talking about the stuff that we're watching. You can send us links to clips and all that fun stuff and tweet at us. I'm on there, too, so we can have a, all have a fun group movie conversation. Let us know what you're watching. We always want to know. All right. This has been episode 44. Once again, I'm Thomas. And I am Daniel. We will catch you on the next one. Oh.